What's up, y'all? This is Bud Elliott, along with Morgan Moriarty today on the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. Uh, what's going on, Morgan? Doing great. How about you? Uh, not bad. Got power back here down in Florida. So that's, I was going to say, I bet you're really happy that you have power finally. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, it was, it was really <laughs> hot down here for a while. And uh, man, I, I, I know we had a couple of friends who had power and it was I was very jealous, but they were pretty gracious and let us stay there a couple of nights and uh, finally kicked back on and people were like, hey, you want to go do this? Want to go do that? And I was like, no, I, I want to sit in my home <laughs> with nobody bothering me in my air conditioning. I'm going to crank this thing about as low as it can go. And uh, <laughs> that's what I did. Yeah, my parents, um, they're down in Orlando. I think it went out Saturday night and they got it back on Tuesday. Luckily, our family friends got them a hotel room. So, um, you know, they, they lucked out and didn't have to rough it and and stay in the hot house. But, um, yeah, that was that was rough. My my parents, uh, they, they got the hotel and then it basically the eye passed right over them. Uh, and it actually knocked out the power for all the hotels, like the one the weather uh, oh, channel no. was staying at, the Jim Cantori. That's uh, <laughs> it's right down the road from their house. And it turns out the weather channel brought their own power. Uh but, you know, they didn't stay for all, all that long. And, uh, yeah, things are getting kind of back to normal down here. So let's get some things out of the way real quick. This is the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. Uh, we talk recruiting. We also talk college football from sort of a recruiting viewpoint. We're not going to give you, you know, 16 minutes of just straight recruiting talk because, look, that, that gets kind of boring, and there's just not a super audience for that at all times of the year. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at SBN Recruiting, and you can follow Morgan – uh, Morgan, hit with your Twitter handle. Yeah, it's at Morgan underscore Moriarty, M-O-R-I-A-R-T-Y. All right, and particularly this time of year, there's not much recruiting going on at all. Uh, why? Well, September is always slow because you have kids just getting back into the kind of the swing of things at the high school level. Uh, so you got high school games being played. You don't have a whole lot of visits being taken. Additionally, we just had Hurricanes Irma and Harvey, uh, and so those are impacting pretty severely and, and still continuing here in, in some areas, three of the four most talented states in the country. I mean, most of your elite players come from Florida, Texas, and Georgia, California being right. the other of the four states. Uh, so there's not a lot of games going on. There's not a lot of offers going out because there's not a lot of, of coaches seeing players play and there's not a lot of visits being taken. You know, most of these kids or a lot of them weren't in any state to go visit a game last week. In addition to the high school games being canceled, we had college games being canceled. <laughs> yeah, and it's a you know the one thing about that though, timing wise. I mean, obviously the hurricanes were horrible and and caused a lot of devastation. But from a recruiting perspective, I mean, better happening in September than like November, mid November, where kids are you know getting close to making a decision. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that that makes a ton of sense, and you know you, you don't. You don't want them to happen there because that's that's the crucial visit time, November, around Thanksgiving, you know, into December, and uh, especially that that's amplified now with the new early signing day. Right. So the first thing I think we, we need to talk about this week is something that came up in Slack, and we kind of have a thing: don't don't tweet it, Slack it, you know, so we can put it on our website and make some money on it. Uh, and I was talking with a buddy, and a lot of these college football people out there saying how many coaches will the SEC fire this year? And, and we were kind of having a disagreement whether it would be you know, this year or next year. And I said, all right, how about this? Will half 
of the SEC head coaching jobs change within the next two years? So basically, will these guys be there to coach 2019? And I I, I think you may disagree on this, and, and if you do, all, all the better. I think there's a real good chance that over half of the SEC jobs, eight or more, um, do change hands in the next two years. Look at this. Where do you want to start? There's so many programs here that seem to be in, in some various state of flux. Yeah, I think right off the bat, um, starting with probably A&M um, and then Tennessee, obviously Auburn and, and Arkansas, especially with the Arkansas A&M game coming up. Um, definitely interesting. And I, I think over the next two years, if you were to say, half would be gone after this season. That's obviously not going to happen. But, um, yeah, absolutely fair to say seven of them open up within two seasons. So looking at A&M, they've already lost uh, at, um, what, at, at UCLA, who then turned around and lost to Memphis. And Memphis is probably a better team than maybe a lot of people realize. I think our vantage point is sometimes a little different sometimes than the casual fan because we work in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but – A&M also struggled at home against an FCS team. Uh, and, yeah, they they just don't look too good. Now their quarterback's injured. You mentioned it. Arkansas lost really badly to TCU, and it was just kind of a a painful-looking loss. You know, that that to me is something. Um, that game this week is, is going to put the loser, I think, pretty squarely on the hot seat because that, that's going to be two losses and – Importantly here, two losses that I think the fan base of each team would say, hey, th- those shouldn't happen. We're better than that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think especially, I think that holds true more for someone because of what Arkansas did last week. You know, especially if Texas A&M goes into Jerry World and gets blown out by Arkansas, that's I, that's another nail in, in someone's coffin if if that's the right euphemism to use. It, it, exactly. You know, we have, and both these coaches, Brett Bielema and and uh, Kevin Sumlin, it seems like they were initially very promising, right? You know, A and M goes mm-hmm. and joins the SEC, and they are kind of the second best program in the West for like a two year stretch. I mean, they had Johnny Manziel, and then in right. Arkansas, I think they got a lot of credit, and, and Bill Connolly pointed this out. For they got a lot of credit early on for playing teams tough, and the assumption was that they were going to build upon that at Arkansas. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they would start winning some of those close games, but instead their identity is fallen off. Yeah. yeah they, it's completely gone the other way. They don't whip anybody up front. They they used to kind of do a pretty good job of that. And mm-hmm. our SB nation, Arkansas blog, Arkansas fight, you can go check this out there. Uh, listeners, they, they went and they looked at some of Arkansas offensive line recruiting and it really has dropped off in the last couple of years. They're having to move some defensive linemen over to the offensive line. And, and so no wonder they're struggling to, to run the ball. And if you watch that TCU game, TCU didn't respect the pass at all. They're like, okay, yeah. And the play action, no respect, because they weren't really afraid that Arkansas could run it on them too much. Uh, I, I think both those coaches, I think it's more likely that both are gone than neither within the next two years. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, obviously, Texas A&M, you know, there's some chances on that schedule. Uh, South Carolina, at Florida, I mean, I don't really know how good Florida is. Um, they they can't really put the ball in the end zone, obviously. Um, that Auburn game looks a little intriguing. I don't know how good the Tigers are. I guess we'll find out this weekend. Um, but then, I mean, 
at LSU. They play Mississippi State. They get Alabama at home. I mean, it's it's going to be a really long season with with not a lot of gimme wins left on that schedule for Kevin Sumlin. And, and neither are making any real progress uh, in recruiting. You know, it's not like there's a lot of hype around either right. team right now. A and M did for a while, uh, and Arkansas for a little bit. We saw an uptick, but neither of them are really improving that much in recruiting. And you know, even if Bielema can can keep going to bowls, I think at a certain point, remember Glenn Mason, the, I'm a little bit older than you, uh, but the, the coach at Minnesota, the, the Minnesota win like eight, nine games a year. They were just, man, they were, you could just bank on it that they were going to, going to just do that every year. And all of a sudden the Minnesota folks got tired of it. They're like, oh, we, we can be better. And they, they failed right. to recognize the peak of that program that, Hey, you know, winning eight games a year at Minnesota is really good. Like you should just say, thank you. Every chance you get, uh, <laughs> I wonder if Arkansas is not in that situation too. You know, if, if Bielema just keeps going to bowls, are, are they cool with that? I, I... Maybe. I mean, especially because the perception is, especially nowadays, that the SEC West is more competitive than, say, the East. So, you know, maybe eight, nine wins, seven, eight wins, and, and finishing with a big bowl win is enough. I don't know if that holds true, you know, within the administration at Arkansas, but – um, for the fans, I mean, I, I would be okay with that. But then again, I'm not an Arkansas fan, so. I, I, I exactly. Um, and then Auburn was, I think, the third team you mentioned there. They they go. They they looked completely inept against Clemson. They mm-hmm. uh, what? Well, they have five turnovers against Mercer. Uh, and yet, yeah, I look at their schedule here. I, I they they were they were kind of the team that was dubbed the, the team in the SEC this year, maybe with a chance to knock off Alabama because they, they get right. the tied at home. They, they got the, the quarterback transfer Stidham from Baylor. Their next three games here, I, I think they have a chance maybe to win them all, and that could be really big. It's at Missouri, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, <laughs> Mississippi State, which is going to be tough, but they are coming off a, a, yeah. a road trip to Athens. You know, a, and getting that game at home is huge too for Auburn. Absolutely. If you're Mississippi State, realistically here, if you if you look at your schedule, you say, okay, I got to go to Athens and to Auburn back to back weekends. If I split that, if I go one and one, I'm feeling pretty mm-hmm. good, right? Yeah, I think. And then hosting Ole Miss, which uh, you know I know we'll talk about as well. Auburn could realistically be five and one entering the the road game. At LSU, because then that's that next stretch is tough. At LSU, at Arkansas, at A and M, host Georgia. Uh, there's a bye week between Arkansas and A and M, but mm-hmm. those are four difficult-ish games, especially because three of them are on the road. I think Malzahn has got to win at least two, if not not the next three games, if he wants to keep his job. Because you got to figure they're going to lose two or three down the stretch. Yeah, and and if you know, Auburn's able to go five and one into that stretch that, you know, might buy Malzahn, honestly, you know, a, another season, depending on how the back end of the season goes. Absolutely. What What is his, his buyout? Do we know? His buyout is a little over 6.7 mil. That's according to um, AL.com. I mean, that's, that's, I don't want to say it's chump change, but in SEC world, that's, that's not that bad. Um, if things right. go south, they could make a change easily. Yeah, and I, I think if you know if the season ends 
six and six, less than that, you could easily see Auburn pulling the trigger and, and, and getting someone else. But then I think, you know, who does Auburn go after if, if it's done this season? This is a great question because you have so many of these young coaches out there, but I think a lot of them are sort of maybe one year away. Like the, the Jeff right. Brom question. Jeff Brom has been at Purdue for a year. He's coached mm-hmm. three games there. Now, he did a good job at his previous stop. But if you're Auburn, do, do you go get him? Uh, I, I, maybe. Right. And I, I can't really think of a guy that would be, A, you know, fully ready to take that job and available. You know, last season we had a bunch of young coordinators and, and young head coaches. Maybe uh, Wilson at UTSA, perhaps. Sure. Uh, if, if, if they would go after him, that'd be great. That's obviously a huge jump for him, but, yeah, you know. I mean, but, but Gus, I guess, was at Arkansas State prior. So, mm-hmm. uh, granted, he was an OC there at Auburn for a bit. Right. Um, you know, maybe a Mike McIntyre type at Colorado, a guy yeah. who is originally from the southeast. He's done a really good job at Colorado. Um, I, I could maybe see that if, if Gus doesn't make it. This is a really tough schedule, too. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I feel like if they go nine and three, that's kind of an accomplishment to me. It's actually, I think nine and three against this might be more impressive than what they did last year. And I know they went to the Sugar Bowl last year and then got killed, and you know maybe weren't a a true Sugar Bowl caliber team. But uh, if he can get to to nine wins, I think he's a hundred percent safe. If he can get to eight, I think there's going to be it's going to depend on the eight. Uh, but you've got to you, you got to win the next couple. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Missouri is only in the second year of Barry Odom and uh, uh, Morgan. They're they're not good um, at all. No, and you know I think one of the interesting things when he was you know named the head coach, it, they were really really hopeful about him. Um, you know, kind of giving the program to a guy who who had been there. For, for a little bit. So it's unfortunate, but then again, I mean, he is only in his second year. Um, he's still kind of in that mulligan stage a little bit. Um, and I say that, you know, kind of hesitantly because it is the second season and and you finally have your staff and, and the way you want to run things pretty much implemented there. But um, yeah, I mean, looking ahead at their schedule, <sighs> Auburn at home, at Kentucky, at Georgia, uh, they get Florida at home, Tennessee at home, at Vanderbilt, at Arkansas. I mean, that's that's not an easy schedule for this Missouri team, given how they've looked. Uh, that's ugh. W- what are they going to go there? Four and eight. I mean, they Connecticut is. Yeah, they get Idaho at UConn. That's at UConn. You're right. I, they're going to beat Idaho. Idaho is legitimately terrible. Like, like Missouri <laughs> yeah. is terrible by SEC standards, but they will beat Idaho. Other than that, are they going to be favored in any of these games? Auburn is like a two-touchdown favorite at Missouri this weekend. At Kentucky, I think they'll be underdogs. At Georgia, obvious. Mm-hmm. Florida, they'll be underdogs. Tennessee, I assume, they'll be underdogs. Vanderbilt is probably going to be favored over them. At Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, Morgan, they're probably going to be underdogs in seven of the last nine games. Yeah, and and if you know Missouri ends up going say four and eight, I mean, if 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 the same product is on the field year three for Odom, you know, obviously I don't 
think he's going to be fired after this season. You know, rarely do you ever see, especially nowadays in college, a head coach get, you know, canned after two seasons. But the leash is very, very thin next season, you know, if this schedule plays out how we think it'll play out, which it looks pretty likely. I mean, it, when you have to pull upsets just to get to four and eight, exactly, mm-hmm. you're going to enter the next season on a major hot seat. And there's a lot of stuff that's gone on in Missouri that I think makes that job less attractive to coaches. So if you're Missouri, if you do decide to pull the trigger on him, and this is why I think it's important to put the within the next two years caveat, right? Right. Because some, you could save your job for one year, but overall direction of the program is kind of a little more gauged or a little better gauged over two years. Man, that's tough to see him sticking around unless they make a really big jump in 2018 because things are not going in the right direction right now. Yeah, and I, I think especially what what plays into that is how wide open the East is every year. And you know, coming off of the Odom, uh, excuse me, the Pinkle years when they went into the SEC and won the East twice back to back seasons. Um, you know, it's you should be competing week in and week out within that division. I agree. Now, the last one, I think, on our, our real kind of hot seat list is Tennessee. I'm of the opinion that Butch Jones has done a good job rebuilding the program, but also that the Botch Jones nickname is is not undeserved, right? Like, on the field, he does some really kind of head-scratching stuff. Off the field, with the exception of, like, they're just saying stupid stuff constantly, uh <laughs> Champions you know, of life. Oh, gosh. The champions of life. Recruiting five-star hearts. The five-star heart went, in fact, <laughs> number one, he tweets out fireworks whenever they land a five-star. <laughs> I'm like, dude, if you say you don't care about recruiting rankings, at least back it up a little bit. Like, this comes not just from Tennessee, but I think from his account. We went back and looked. So that was – Yeah, we, we uh, did. Yeah. Butch Jones. But I don't think they're going to fire him this year necessarily. Um uh, a Tennessee, like money wise, I, I think they're still uh, struggling a little bit. I think you do have to recognize the job that he's done rebuilding the program. Like their talent levels upgraded, they're not even coming close to missing bowls. They're generally the second or third best team in the East. I, I don't know that Tennessee fans need to be happy with that forever. I know they would like to win the East occasionally, at least, um, but. Unless things really go south here, I, I'm not so sure that he's going to be fired this year. But I agree, and I think a big, you know, one of the things that'll help him is having the new AD coming in from Kansas State. I believe he was hired from um, John Curry. I mean, he didn't he didn't hire Butch Jones. He wasn't on hand to see what he's done the past five years. So I think that kind of gives him a little bit of leeway. With this season, and a lot of people, you know, obviously when you lose a game the way that you did against Florida on a last-second play and, and also some, you know, questionable play calling offensively at the end of that game, it's going to be talked about, but you're right. I mean, it's still a really, really long season. I expect Tennessee to be a little bit healthier this season. I mean, certainly and hopefully nothing like it was last season where they had just starter after starter go down throughout the year. Um, but I mean, looking at the rest of their schedule, they get Georgia at home, South Carolina at home, they go to Alabama, to Kentucky, to Missouri. Um, and they do play LSU and Vanderbilt at home too. So, 
long season, still a long way to go, but um, I agree with you. I think he'll be okay this season. If I had told you that Tennessee would be 2-1 and one after the first three games, and I didn't tell you where the loss was going to come, but just I say, hey, Morgan, I think this is preseason. Morgan, I think that Tennessee is going to be 2-1 and one after playing Georgia Tech, Indiana State, and going to the Swamp. You would have said – Probably a win over Florida and Indiana State. But two and one, you think, would probably be the most likely you know, outcome there, I'm guessing? Yeah, I'd say so. So they're kind of right where we expect them to be. The, the issue is how they got there. The the sloppiness mm-hmm. and the some of the craziness of the, the Florida game. I, did you see that tweet the, the guy sent about the um, – about uh, how he should, should give the, the, remote to, or the remote to his wife? Yeah, I did see that. that was, <laughs> For listeners out there, I'm paraphrasing it. I don't know what the guy's name was, but uh, you can just Google uh, Butch Jones remote. He, he, the guy tweeted at Butch Jones. He was like, hi, I'm roughly one yard away from my wife, uh, and I need to give her the remote. Should I hand it to her or throw it at her three times? <laughs> oh, People man. on Twitter are great. <laughs> oh, gosh, they, they are. I, well, for the most part. Some, uh, <laughs> some of them use, are terrible. Use the block function, folks. So they're going to beat UMass this weekend. UMass is not good. Um, they get to play South Carolina at home, which I think is probably good because it's one of those swing-type games where if they had to go mm-hmm. to Columbia, maybe I'm worried. If Missouri just collapses, I'm not as worried about that. Kentucky is kind of one of these sneaky teams without a lot of depth, so I don't know necessarily. Yeah, I, I think we'll learn a lot about Kentucky this weekend going up against Florida. Absolutely. Yeah, That that's – that's what I know we're going to talk about that game in our, our, our spread section for sure. If, I think Butch Jones can get – I think he can win eight games. They can go eight and four again. And I don't think Tennessee is in a position necessarily to fire him after going eight and four. But mm-hmm. long term, if he goes eight and four next year as well, like I don't know what their – this is, makes for great radio as people hear me Googling. Um, <laughs> looking at the Tennessee 2018 schedule here. All right, it's updated. So they got West Virginia to open the year um, in in Charlotte. That's kind of a neutral site deal. And then they oh ooh. Uh, from the West they have to play uh, at Auburn and they host Bama. Um, ooh, and their back to back weeks. Oh my God, you're right. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, and they got Florida and Georgia back to back weeks too next year. That is <laughs> at least they got a buy in between. But damn. And then they're at South Carolina. After the at Auburn host Bama at South Carolina, that that is, uh, yeah, that's. I safe to say, Butch is going to be gone after that season. I yeah, I think if you have to bet, and that's not. I mean, that schedule is really really hard to navigate. Right, because the end, the wins in the schedule are all going to come at the end after the fans have mm-hmm. already checked out and they're so pissed off at. I mean, right, like okay, West Virginia, East Tennessee, like by East, by the end of September. The the fans will be done. It's Butch Jones, because... the head coach, on Halloween night. It's just, this is four mm-hmm. days after the South Carolina game, twenty eighteen. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Yeah, I could see Tennessee going to South Carolina and losing, and that'll be the end. Because at that point, I mean, Tennessee could only have two wins over UTEP and and ETSU. They yeah, they legitimately could go. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they. I think probably 
three and five in that stretch is the most likely. But damn, if you start three and five after a, a kind of disappointing 2017, as I think fans are already thinking of this, then your eight, your new AD has got a chance to kind of look at your program a little bit and uh, maybe make some determinations as to what he thinks you are uh, or are not. Um, I, I I agree with putting him up top here on the unlikely to be there in the next two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think the rebuilding job he's done is good, but Tennessee no longer needs to be rebuilt; it needs to be advanced. I don't know if Butch Jones is the guy to you know to kind of do the remodel after the rebuild. And also, I mean, to not obviously you know, they, they're still in the mix for it at this point in the season, but to not win the SEC East in, in five seasons and, and six, if he's around next year, that's, you know, that's not good. No. That's a big reason why Will Muschamp was, was fired from Florida. Absolutely. All right, so that's five te- That's five coaches that we think are, let's say, more likely to be fired than, than staying around over the next two seasons. Missouri, A&M, Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee. Then we get into kind of this next group here. This is kind of my idea. Hey, how do we get to eight? How do we get to half these coaches being gone? Is this year one Fred Orgeron at LSU, or is it kind of year like one and a half? Because I don't know how much leash he gets with you know having coached the last half of the season last year. Yeah, I mean, I am more inclined to say it's year one just because, in my mind, that half a season was his tryout to get to – a full year one where it's his program, his team. Um, so I, I, you know, I, that plays into it. And obviously that might be different than what, you know, the LSU administration thinks, but um, I think this is year one. Um, it <laughs> doesn't look good right now, especially after going to Mississippi state and, and getting your tails handed to you, um, especially on the line of scrimmage defensively. Um, something that Ed Orgeron never wants to to get beat at. Um, I, I think it's year one, but obviously LSU fans and and maybe inside the LSU administration might feel differently. So my thing, and just a real quick note that, that I'll probably add in on the tail end of our Tennessee conversation. Tennessee actually has a, a top six recruiting class right now nationally. So if there is a reason, a kind of argument for keeping him around on the recruiting side, He's the one coach of all, of all those programs that is really recruiting very well right now, despite sort of the the fan mm-hmm. uh, turmoil. I know we had some recruits today tweet that he's not going anywhere. Um, but I'm going to take, take like a five-second pause here so I can add that in when I do the editing. Okay. Morgan, I, I think you're exactly right on, on Orgeron, too, in that look, he does have to kind of – do it with his own players. Um, now he was on that staff and, and recruited some of them, but not all. Of them. And I think he does deserve, um, you know, a fair shake there. Um, but my opinion was always: look, Les Miles didn't get fired for losing to Alabama. Les Les Miles got fired for losing games like Arkansas and Mississippi State and and stuff like that. Right. Just stuff that that LSU fans think they're above doing. And you know, we understand if you lose to Bama, Nick Saban is probably the best coach in my lifetime, you know, maybe in cultural mm-hmm. history. That's everybody does it, but not everybody loses to Mississippi state when they recruit like LSU and not by th- the, the how matters too, right? 30 points is yeah. embarrassing. I, if he does, I, I'm trying to think about a number here, but gosh, if he loses, if he goes like eight and four this year, 
and then follows that up with another eight and four. I don't know if he gets to 2019, but at the same time, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think they are going to be a little bit better. Um, and and if, I, if I'm him, I'm arguing hard to tie this back into recruiting here. Hey, we're recruiting really well, and I signed Miles Brennan last year, an Elite 11 quarterback who I think can make a real impact. Give me, you know, until his junior year before you right. make the final call on me. That's my argument. And I think and I think another year, you know, having Matt Canada just coming in this season, at least, you know, he's going to say, look, give me two seasons with Canada to see where we are. And if we're not where we want to be, you know, I'll either make a change or unless, you know, obviously if LSU wants, wants to make a, you know, a coaching change from the top down. Right. So the next one, and so I think ultimately we're drawn. I'm I'm kind of split. I'm not 100% convinced he's going to be there in 2019, but I I think there's a better chance that he will than he won't. The next guy is 14 and three in the SEC in a regular season, but like we just said, the how matters, and his team has only scored nine touchdowns on offense in the last eight games. This is a team you know a whole lot about, so I'm just going to let you take the ball and run here. Do you think Jim McElwain is Florida's coach in 2019? Good question. You know, I think that Florida fans are kind of split in that you have a group of Florida fans that really, really like Jim McElwain and what he's done with respect to going to Atlanta back-to-back seasons when, you know, Florida hadn't done that since Urban Meyer was, was in town. Um, the offense is not where it should be, or at least where, you know, Jim McElwain was expected to take it in year three in Gainesville. Part of that is, you know, obviously the struggles that he's had at the quarterback position. I think the worst thing that happened to him was that Will Greer stuff. I mean, he could he could run that offense the way that it was supposed to be ran to to a T. Um, he's not there anymore, obviously. So now you're, you know, you have Felipe Franks, you know, a guy who's been there for a year and a half learning the system. He's, he's not great. Obviously, um, he has the talent to, to make big throws like we saw last week against Tennessee. But I think the other part of, of winning the East is, yeah, you won the East, but you know, how much, how many times can Florida fans go to Atlanta and watch Florida get blown out by Alabama? Jim McElwain was supposed to come to Gainesville to win SEC championships and compete against teams like Michigan, like Alabama, big time programs. And they're not doing that yet. Not, not to say that he won't do that, but um, I think that it's a little behind the curve where Florida expected to be in year three under Jim McElwain. I I think that's a really fair take. I mean, if, even if they don't go back to Atlanta this year, I think they're still going to win a pretty good number of games. And I know that, that the new AD there, Scott Strickland, didn't hire him. But, right. And so he's not his guy. And, and Strickland's not going to not going to tie his legacy to McIlwain if he doesn't feel like he's mm-hmm. the right guy. But I think you do have to kind of take some time to evaluate how things are, are going to go with him. Uh, and you, it's just hard to fire a coach who, who has won the division twice and who is – uh, very, very good within the SEC, despite the fact that some of the wins are kind of ugly looking. Right. At the same time, the only way you can do it, though, is if 
is if Strickland gets convinced that that the program is not moving in the right direction. And this year, they are recruiting extremely well. I mean, I think Florida has a legitimate shot to land a top five class. They're at number seven right mm-hmm. now. Uh, more four and five stars than two and three stars, which is the recipe that you want to have if you want to win titles. Um, but the thing is kind of going to be surviving this year because next year's schedule's very cushy. I, I took a look at it the other day, and, and I mean, it, they don't play a Michigan open up the year. <laughs> they, they have kind of a traditional cupcake. Uh, yeah, I um, I got some Florida fans in my mentions uh, because I did point that out, how, you know, the out-of-conference schedule is really bad. Obviously, Florida plays FSU every year, um, but that doesn't give you a pass. They have uh, Charleston Southern, Colorado State, which was obviously part of the Jim McElwain buyout deal. Um, and I can't remember the third opponent, but it was some other cupcake opponent. Uh, Idaho. Yeah. I mean, that's they're, that's three guaranteed wins. Florida State's usually basically a coin flip. Um, I mean, your road games are, what, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and... And they get LSU at home. Oh, they do. Again. Yeah. So do they play... So they have seven home games. Oh, and Georgia's neutral field, of course, like always. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's if, if your SEC road trips are Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt, it, it's hard to find an easier trio than that. They, yeah. they should have a really good record next year. So I, I think McElwain is more likely to stay than not, unless some kind of scandal kicks up or unless the season just goes completely off the rails and, and recruits start to bail. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. How How likely, because I think this is something that – is being talked about a little bit more than say Jim McElwain going, how long does Doug Nussmeyer have at Florida? If, if the offense continues to look this atrocious. So this is a great point. Um, you bring up coaches who are this successful, like they're not complete abject failures. Like they're doing a pretty mm-hmm. good job, but there's an aspect that's kind of lacking clearly. They, they will eventually get a chance, typically an ultimatum or a strong suggestion Hey, uh, we like you. We want to keep you around. We believe in your overall mission here, but um, you got to let this coordinator go because we got to appease some boosters. So, a sacrificial coordinator, I think, if you if you're 14 and three in the SEC, uh, not including the Bama SEC title game losses, because look, everybody would have those, and Florida shouldn't be punished in a record for for winning mm-hmm. the East. I think <laughs> you have a chance to fire a coordinator before you yourself uh, catch any kind of real heat. So, yeah, that's that's certainly possible. Now I'm thinking who they would bring in. <laughs> oh gosh, um, who would Spencer want? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, if he's uh, if, if he gets oh, let go, <laughs> chuck it around. <laughs> uh, all right, Ole Miss interim coach. Uh, last week they looked absolutely terrible against Cal. Maybe an improved Cal team, but uh, I'm pretty confident here that they're not going to have the same coach uh, in 2019 that they have today. So. That's another one I think you you got to feel good about about opening up. Um, any uh, any disagreement there? No, I think that's fair. And then you got two guys who I I think are actually candidates here, and these are kind of sneaky candidates. They might be candidates to to move up. I mean, D- Derek Mason is doing a fantastic job at Vanderbilt, and Dan mm-hmm. Mullen at, at at Mississippi State. It's certainly we know he's looked to get out of there before. Maybe hasn't found the right fit. 
maybe he's you know gets better at interviewing or maybe hasn't found the right spot. But you know where his old boss works now. Yeah. I mean, I, you're you're a Gator you're a Gator person. I, I would would you object to Dan Mullen in the swamp if if, if that was to to occur? Oh, no way. I think Florida fans would love that. And I think that was when Will Muschamp was fired, you know, obviously Dan Mullen hadn't had, you know, it was 2014. So that season wasn't finished yet when Mississippi State was, you know, the number one team in the country at one point, uh, finished with, with a 10-win season. He was a guy that was talked about for Florida, but maybe not you know, that home run higher. But if, if Jim McElwain's era come to an end in Gainesville, I think Florida fans would be very, very happy to have Dan Mullen. At least I would. I, I think it would be a great hire. Uh, you know, if David Shaw finally makes the jump and goes to the NFL, you could easily see Derek Mason go into Stanford. Um, mm-hmm. I think Mullen would be a hot candidate at, at a number of jobs. And and I think he's a guy who's, like, he's more proven than a Fuente or a Brom uh or Scott Frost type. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, when just looking at what he's done at Mississippi State, a program with little to no history, tradition, um, he'll go down as, you know, maybe not the best ever Mississippi State coach, and I'm blanking on their head coach from the 40s who was really, really good. But what he's done at Mississippi State, you know, he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit because it's Mississippi State still, um, they haven't won the SEC West or anything, but it's it's really, really impressive. And and I wrote about that a little bit this week, um, just on Mississippi State and the SEC West in general. Um, but he's definitely going to be a name in the next couple seasons, maybe even at the end of this year, depending on how Mississippi State finishes their season for some really big-name jobs. And especially when you consider, look, it is really hard to get talent to Mississippi State. Have you been to Starkville? I have not. It's uh, it's kind of like you're very much one stoplight town, uh, by at least compared to, to its SEC uh, counterparts. It, it's mm-hmm. kind of the the outlier there, I, I think, of all the SEC towns. Um, now they, you know, was it Fred Smoot who's who or one of their former stars? They were asking him like, "Where's the best this? Where's the best that?" It's like, "Where's the best burger in town? Where's the best ice cream?" And he was like, "McDonald's." <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all I have. Yeah. To do what he's done at Mississippi State is really impressive. Um, and I think Mullen is actually going to pass uh, Jackie Sherrill as well as the all-time uh, winningest coach at Mississippi State. Um, and in, in fewer years as well, I, I think that he's um, he's pretty close to that. So recapping this, I think we have five coaches that we really feel strongly probably won't be there for you know within the next two years. Missouri, A&M, Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee. And then you got two who things could go in the wrong direction with LSU and Florida, maybe. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss, I think we're pretty certain. And then maybe one or two promotional candidates. The only real guys that we think are super safe at this point are who? Nick, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, mm-hmm. and am I missing one? No, I guess I'm not. I, I, I mean, those are probably your three safest, you know, on least shaky ground coaches in the SEC at this point. And two of them in Muschamp and, and Kirby are kind of just because they were hired real recently and are, and are doing okay. Um, yeah. Somebody who was hired recently that's not doing okay, this is what we call a transition in the business, is Nebraska. Mike Riley. Um, 
Before Mike Riley got there, they had gone one and two to start the year. Uh, one time in 54 seasons. Mike Riley has now done that twice, uh, losing at home to Northern Illinois. And uh, the, the hand-picked quarterback for Riley, uh, the, the one that a lot of Nebraska fans this year were putting all their hopes on, Tanner Lee, uh, he is, I think, I think I saw this. He was leading the country in interceptions. So <laughs> not uh, maybe not what they were hoping for. Um, this is year three, and they fired a jerk who won nine games a year to get a nice guy who take who wins six games a year. Yeah, I think they're, at least the Nebraska administrators are thinking about that decision a little bit, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It looks like like the AD uh, was talking about how he's not going to talk about the future of his coaches and then immediately uh, talk about the future of his coaches. So I'm not totally sure that that's uh, all that reassuring if you're Mike Riley. But there, there's kind of a, an interesting recruiting discussion here, and I don't have a great answer for it, but I, I, we have encountered this before. Nebraska has been recruiting fairly well under Riley. This year they actually have a bunch of momentum on the recruiting trail. Right now they are – Looks like 37th in the nation recruiting, but they only have 10 commits. I mean, they have six blue chip kids, which is more than you know, they oftentimes sign in the whole year. They've got momentum with a number of, of, of good level prospects, especially over the summer they did. How do you balance if you're Nebraska's staff? I mean, A, I guess the, the AD might be a better, better perspective to take here, but how do you tell those kids, hey, stay the course. We're not going anywhere. We knew this year was going to be bad. Can, can you tell these kids, hey, and year th- it's year three, we're going to suck. But we need you really bad because in years four and five, <laughs> by the time you get here, we'll be good. The analog is Maryland. In Randy Etzel's last year, they tried to do this because their recruiting class was really good. They had the, I think it was called the movement or some kind of hashtag um, back in the day. And they had Mike Loxley there. He was recruiting really well for them. They had uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins and a bunch of other kids who – would ultimately end up flipping to Ohio State after Maryland went like three and nine or whatever they went. I don't know that this works. This to me, this is really hard because each loss is just so loud. How would you do mm-hmm. it if you were that staff or that AD? Like, how do you? If you're that AD, are you buying it? Like Mike Riley telling you, "Hey, Mo- hey, Morgan, uh, I know we suck this year, and it's year three. We probably should be a lot better than this." But I got the recruiting class coming in. You got to hold on to me. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have that? sort of conversation with your AD? I mean... I mean, it might be the best chip to play. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, what, what's what is, what's your other argument for Mike Riley as to why you shouldn't be fired? I mean, the program is showing absolutely no improvement. Yeah. No, I can see that. Um, and that's... I think looking at that from an AD's perspective, they might not, you know, get that. I think Riley has a case... With, with using that argument, but I don't know if if Nebraska's AD is going to, you know, really be convinced with that. No, I, I think that makes sense. And Nebraska's remaining schedule, because they just lost at home to Northern Illinois, uh, and that was just an abomination. They they struggled for a bit with Arkansas State. Oregon uh, got a huge lead on them, and Nebraska had a valiant comeback, but it never really felt like Nebraska had a, a real good chance to win that game after after about the first 20 minutes. They host Rutgers this weekend. They go to Illinois. I mean, they, in theory, should win both of those. But after that, Wisconsin, Ohio State, both come to Nebraska. I don't really like to At Purdue? 
I don't know if they're going to win that Ooh, game. That's a good call. At Purdue, uh, they, they host Northwestern. They're at Minnesota, which is playing really well. Uh, they're at Penn State, and then they finish with Iowa. You know, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced this team makes it bold. No, I think that's fair, especially with, you know, their bye week is after they get Wisconsin-Ohio State bye week, and then they go at Purdue, Northwestern, at Minnesota, at Penn State, Iowa. All right, if we break it down like this for listeners, because it, let's say they beat Rutgers in Illinois, right, and Northwestern. That would give them four wins. They got to win two of this group, Wisconsin, Ohio State, at Purdue, at Minnesota, Penn State, Iowa. Oof. Could maybe see at Minnesota? Yeah. I, I And look, maybe Purdue – I can't imagine Purdue has a whole lot of good depth. So if they start catching some injuries, that, that thing could spiral. Um, you know, Maybe they're catching some teams off guard right now, but they've been playing mm-hmm. pretty well. They, they whipped Missouri in Columbia last weekend. Um, yeah, that's tough. And then a guy who, in your hometown is is really, you know, kicking butt and taking initials because he don't have time for names. Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. They they got somebody this weekend with they're they're going to Maryland. They got a chance to upset a Big Ten team. Um, if you're if you're Nebraska, do you, do you make the call and go for Scott Frost? He's obviously a, a you know, Nebraska legacy and and took them to a. If not a national championship game, maybe a national championship appearance. I'm trying to remember back in the day now. But a guy who's pretty beloved up there, I think. I don't know. I don't know why I'm keeping Mike Riley around if it's not for this recruiting class. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my when I look at, you know, the two-year mark, I just think usually 80s will give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a third year. But – um, you're, you're right. I mean, if the rest of the season plays out the way that we expect it to, which they might not even make a bowl, um, I would pick up the phone to to Scott Frost. Absolutely. I, I think you almost have to. All right. Uh, next here, this will be quick because we're already at the 45-minute mark roughly. Uh, Morgan, Alabama is not really sacking the quarterback now. And I want to ask you, after reading some numbers here, how concerned Alabama fans should be. Uh Last year, their, after three games, their top three pass rushers had combined for 30 pressures. This year, they have nine out of their top three guys. So a drop-off from 30 to nine. It, does that concern you? Not as much as it would if it was, like, October. Um, I mean, you look at the teams Alabama has to play coming up, at Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee. None of the quarterbacks on those teams, besides maybe Shea Patterson, like really stick out to me. That's totally fair. I mean, that, and I think the other thing we got to note here is that look, the the guys they had over the last like season and a half are not the normal guys usually have under Nick Saban. Typically, Alabama is not a big sack team. Right, they, mm-hmm. and Saban's even talked about this. He said, "Look, I don't really care about sacks. I care about right. pressure that gets the ball out of the quarterback's hands." And I know the pressures are down this year. Um, I, it may not matter in SEC play, but it could matter in the playoff, especially because if they're having to blitz more, you're right. you're having that secondary 
maybe a little exposed uh, or at least more one-on-one situations um, than, than they would like. Yeah, no, that that's totally fair. Um, I mean, certainly it's going to become an issue in the postseason and even if they, you know, end up playing in a, a non-playoff team. But um, I would say just don't worry about it until you have to worry about it, especially because, like you mentioned, you know, sacks aren't a big stat for Nick Saban's defense. I, I think we're on the same page there. That's – I'm going to be watching it, but I'm not freaking out yet if I'm a BAM fan. Uh, I'm going to skip the next item we have here because I think we could actually save that for next week's show uh, because we're, we're going to get to see the item here for folks, but we'll just we'll tease this. Uh, three true freshmen are starting a quarterback for elite programs, uh, Texas, Georgia, and Florida State. Uh, and so we'll get to see uh, – we'll actually get to see Florida State play in NC State this weekend and James Blackman's first start. Uh, Georgia is hosting Mississippi State, so we'll get to see Jake Fromm another big game. Maybe talk about those more uh, next week, but we can move on to some betting lines here. Just a quick little chat about that, and then we'll we'll hit uh, in record on on this episode. I think it's been I think it's been pretty solid. Uh, let me see here. Any of these jump out of you? We got, we got NC State at Florida State. Florida State's giving them thirteen points. Alabama's given nineteen on the road. At Vanderbilt TCU is catching eleven from Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Um, Texas A&M is favored by three over Arkansas in Jerry World. Uh, Georgia is given five to Mississippi State in Athens. Florida is given three on the road at Kentucky. It, what, where do you want to go here? Uh, I would – I think that Oklahoma State number needs to be way higher. Um, they just put 59 on Pitt over the weekend. Um, and Florida – I mean, I think that number is a little low, but Vegas shouldn't have confidence in Florida's offense, and and I don't either. So, um, other than that, I mean, I could Arkansas, Texas A&M. That line's fair. Mississippi State at Georgia. That I don't know about that one. So, who you got? Mississippi State, Georgia. I oh god, I think Georgia because Georgia's had two weeks for this. Um, mm-hmm. And I I really trust Georgia's defense in a way that I don't trust uh, LSU's defense. Just looking at, and I hate to do the transitive thing in college football, but look at how good Notre Dame's run game has been this year. I, I mean, they, they put up, what, like 400 rushing yards on Temple and like 500 on Boston College and 50 on Georgia. I mean, Georgia yeah. just said, uh, oh, you guys are a good run team? You think so? Uh, no, catch some of this. Mississippi State is primarily a running team. I mean, Fitzgerald can throw the ball, but he's not a great passer. He's, I think Georgia defends a mobile quarterback pretty well. Um, and then we'll see how well they can throw, and we'll see how well Mississippi State stops the run. But it's a freshman quarterback, a true freshman. And I, I don't know how. Right. I mean, you know, young guys make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it is at home, which I think helps. Um, and, and you're right with – Mississippi State, I mean, they really haven't had a defense take away one aspect of their offense. They've, they've been pretty balanced throughout three games, especially last week against LSU. Um, so, you know, if the the pressure's all put on Nick Fitzgerald, interesting to see how he'll respond because he's been relying on his running back, Williams. I'm blanking on his first name. Ardius, I think it is. Uh, Aris. Aris Williams. Aris. Okay. Um 
Yeah, I mean, if, if Georgia can shut down Mississippi State's run game, um, wouldn't be surprised if if Kirby Smart pulls that one out. Because I, I think, we, we just haven't seen him Fitzgerald have to do that yet. I, Especially I on the right. road in Athens, you know. Plus, don't you think Vegas has probably started to adjust like Mississippi State's power ranking a little bit? You know, like the, the time to bet on right. them to really catch value. You know, I took them last weekend at home hosting LSU, not because I thought they would win, but they were getting over a touchdown from LSU at home. Yeah. And in the number, when they went to Louisiana Tech the weekend before, even though it was a look-ahead game, and I get it, they were looking ahead to LSU maybe, they they still just took care of business and just crushed a, a decent Louisiana Tech team in Ruston. I they may be kind of the value may be up on them at this point, and I totally agree with you. By the way, on Oklahoma State, I watched TCU and and I'm look, surprised I, that that number is not higher. Yeah, but go ahead. And Gary Danielson is annoying, but he's not an idiot. Like a lot of times, he makes some pretty good strategic observations. He was talking about how the the play calling of TCU on offense really evidenced to him that they still don't trust Kenny Hill to throw the ball. And he was talking about how he would not want to uh, see TCU in a shootout. Well, I got an idea of what kind of game Oklahoma State might want to play in Stillwater. And I think shootout <laughs> might describe it pretty well. Um, Don't I love take Gary that Patterson. any day. Yeah. They, they'll, they're totally cool playing a 50-35 to 35 game if they want to. Um, also, no respect for Vanderbilt from Vegas. 19 for Bama on the road. I mean, Bama offense that's looked... Okay, I, I just this this tells me that Vegas just does not think Vanderbilt can score on Bama, and that might be a reasonable. Assumption. Might be true. Yeah, um, I think that game is going to be interesting because you know, really, really, and I, I think similar to Mullen, but even to a more extreme effect, Derek Mason really flies under the radar. Even if if Vanderbilt's doing well, you know, it's still Vanderbilt, and you still give him that doubt because, you know, of Vanderbilt's history. Um, but I think this is, you know, this is a huge game for, for Derek Mason, um, especially with respect to, um, you know, his future job opportunities. You mentioned the Stanford job, um, which, you know, could easily be an opportunity for him. Not saying that, you know, he's going to beat Alabama on Saturday, but um, interesting to see how they come out at home. I, I, I cannot agree more. I, I, I'm if, if they play them tough, I mean, this is kind of like a freebie game because they, they're now they're mm-hmm. undefeated. They beat Middle Tennessee, which is a pretty decent program. They, they beat Kansas State. Uh, that's that's going to be interesting because there's some winnable games in the SEC for Vanderbilt for sure. I mean, I think you got to like them against South Carolina at this point now that, now that you know, the Gamecocks lost Debo Samuel for the year or right. at least for an extended period of time. Um, and then – I have no idea what to think about Florida, Kentucky. I, I will say this. I pulled up Bill C's stats, and everybody can go to footballstudyhall.com and pull up the team pages. And sometimes you can kind of – what I like to do on these is just kind of surf them and look and see what's like a major outlier number, a number that's either like a top 10 in the nation at something or you know maybe like bottom 15 or bottom 20 or whatever. Kentucky's rushing offense success rate so far, 114th in the nation. I think Florida's pass defense is a lot better than than its rush defense this year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, and I think Florida will try to force Kentucky to throw the ball, and I'm not 100 percent sure that Kentucky's going to be able to do it well enough. No, especially not 
you know, what Florida's secondary's done. They had three picks, I believe, last week. And yeah. I think they picked off uh, Wilton Spate three times, if I'm not mistaken. They've scored so, more points on, on defense than they have on offense. Have they? <laughs> it's great UF. But, oh, yes, gosh. yes, they have. I, I mean, this is – I have no idea what to think. Also, Kentucky is kind of – they're kind of, like, literally thin. I mean, one of their guys on the offensive line is type 1 diabetes and is, like, 260 pounds. And I just don't know that they face somebody. Like, I think Southern Miss is a great defensive coaching staff with Tony Picaro mm-hmm. and – and I like what Muschamp does on defense at South Carolina, but I don't know that those teams have the same like level of talent up front that Florida has. And the ability to, to, to mess with South Carolina's offensive line, I think, is probably going to be pretty pretty important in this game. So I, I think Florida may keep the streak alive. I know a lot of people are calling for the trendy upset, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Florida go up there and win that. You said Florida went to win it? Yeah, I, I think Florida keeps the streak alive. Yeah, and I think – you know, streaks are, you know, obviously a talking point in a game like this, especially when it's you're going for 30 years. Um, but I do think, you know, it's a it's a factor more so from Florida's side of things where, you know, if, if Florida's down at any point, you know, they're just going to say, we're not going to let this happen. It's 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 been 29 years since we lost. Right. And there's there's got to be a psychological effect too. It's like, why, why can't we beat these right. guys? Well, maybe we're just, you know, it's never happened in my lifetime. Um, maybe, maybe it shouldn't. I think we are, uh, I think we're probably good. Um, unless you got, you got anything else for the week? I don't think so. All right. You can catch us all our work on SB Nation. Just click on uh, the college football tab or the recruiting tab and you can see us there. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, at uh, Morgan, is it Morgan underscore Moriarty? Yeah. Okay, and also SBN Recruiting uh, for mine or Bud Elliott 3 if, if you want that. And uh, Morgan, enjoy this. We'll have to do this again next week. Yeah, sounds great. All right.